Welcome to Generation Ag, a podcast for the future of agriculture. I'm Kayla. And I'm Lavinia. And we're a couple of young Aggies passionate about celebrating our industry and sharing the stories of people who work in it. Vinny. Kayla. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome. <laughs> we, we so don't know what to do because we're about, guys, this is our 100th episode. So we are about to interview each other for the very first time. Yeah, it's time that we open ourselves up and everyone <laughs> <laughs> hears our story. And yeah, I'm very excited for us to be able to share this. And it's pretty yeah. special, Kayla. 100th episode. Yeah. Cue nervous laughter oh, about all the things we're going to talk about in today's episode. Probably a two-part series, I think. Potentially. We'll, we'll see how we go. Yeah. So, Kayla, <laughs> tell me about yourself. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, so, what about me? I'm 28 years old. I'm <laughs> feeling closer to 30 by the minute, but that's okay. Um, I am a dual citizen, in, <laughs> not by uh, international standards. I am dual citizen between Queensland and WA. At least that's what I like to say. I've been here in WA since 2012 with my husband. And, um, yeah, I work for the Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development, which is a recent development. I um, moved there in January of this year and have been, yeah, learning a lot there. And um, my passion is absolutely youth and agriculture and, yeah, of course, the co-host of this podcast. (laughs) What about you to introduce yourself? Thank you. (laughs) So for those who don't know, my name is Lavinia. Um, but people do refer to me as Vin or Vinny. That is my token nickname and it seems to be one that catches on. I don't hear many people call me Lavinia anymore, mm. but professionally, that's what you'll know me as. So I, much like Kayla, I grew up on a farm um, in Esperance, about 50 k's north in a tiny town called Scadden. Uh, and I went to primary school there. I actually grew up with my dad. He was on the farm with me. And my mum was in the town. I was there for 12, 13 years of my life and then moved to Perth for boarding school. Mm -hmm. And I had a great time there. Did not enjoy boarding at all. Thankfully, my mother moved to Perth and I lived (laughs) with her. And that was awesome to build a relationship with her. Uh, Fast forward through high school. I'm sure we'll go back in detail and talk about all of that soon. (laughs) I went to Curtin University, did a PR degree in in, uh, commerce, Um, started working in the industry and then, you know, a few internships, a lot of hard work. I started working for an agency, did some other work and then accidentally ended up working for myself (laughs) in social media and PR and then... We're three and a half years later of me working for myself freelancing and about 18 months of me actually really specializing, niching down in my business, which is pretty similar to when we started the podcast. A lot of that's coincided. Um, Really getting serious about working with the agricultural industry. Mm. Um, And yeah, my business has just gone from strength to strength with the podcast and I'm much like Kayla. Ag is my passion. Uh, I love being a communicator in ag. I, I am, I didn't mention, I'm 25. I'm at that very interesting point in your 20s where you start to really 
like reassess a lot of your early 20s yeah. and feel the pressure to like sort yourself out kind of thing right yeah but then also working out am I on the right track or do I want to do anything else don't worry guys the podcast is like my one, number one love I will, I'll <laughs> yeah. never stop talking but it's just working out which area of ag yeah. that I want to pursue and put myself into mm. so yeah ditto yeah we're we're navigating a lot and we have a lot of conversations off air um with each other about mm things we love about the industry, frustrations we have with the industry. But I think the best thing about the industry and the best thing about this podcast is it's really brought together a lot of amazing minds. Mm. There, there are so many podcast guests who have become my friends yeah, um, or so many people who are my acquaintances and then we interviewed them on the podcast and like they're – I'll, you know who you are if you're listening. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, you know, you know, the listeners will know by now too. Like we obviously started this because we felt so strongly about building a community, that there's a community that was missing, especially among the younger people in agriculture. And so that's why, like, it, it feels so special to us to have not only created, I guess, a broader community that is Generation Ag, but also a community of people that we can link into and, and lean on for support and who are there for advice and um, all sorts of things, as we are for them as well, I think, which which is super, super special. And, mm. yeah, something certainly I don't take for granted. Um, yeah, just even getting to work with people in my work life who've come into my life through the podcast um, and start to build those connections. I think that's part of the value of what Generation Ag has been able to provide in its own small way to the industry is is starting to connect those people who now get to work together in real life. Mm. Um, Yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. So let's rewind and get back into the connection to agriculture, which is a question we love to ask. So tell me what your real connection to ag is. Yeah. Um, so before jumping into this, I think I'll let you all know that um, you'll listen to this and I think it's pretty crazy. Vinny and I have lots in common in so, so many different ways. Um, so you might hear us repeating things each other have said because truly we've got so much in common. It's weird. Um, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll just start off there. Not so much. <laughs> and also the weather is crazy outside, guys. So if you can hear wind, um, well, that's just us in Perth blowing away. It's all good. Um, so what's my connection to agriculture? So I was not born on a farm. My, my uh, family purchased the farm when I was a couple months old. Mum will correct me on this when she listens to the episode. But um, I was an infant when we got the farm. Um, my parents renovated gutted the house beautiful old house in Queensland um and yeah so that's where I grew up with my younger sister Chanel um she's just shy of two years no I'm gonna get this wrong just shy of two years younger than me yeah um and so yeah it was just us two girls um and yeah similar to Vinny um my parents divorced when I was young um and yeah my dad moved off the fa- off the farm so it was my mum my sister and I growing up uh on the farm bit of a non-traditional <laughs> non-traditional very McLeod's daughters not really but still love that tv show <laughs> growing up um and yeah so my my grandparents especially my granddad heavily involved in the in the farm you know it's it's his his bread and butter his baby and um yeah so I grew up having a really close relationship um, with my granddad and my mm. grandma because of that. Um, and yeah, so my mum, my sister and I out there together, I went to a very small school, Peter 10 school, 62 kids um, in the whole school. <laughs> and I loved school. I loved everything about it. And and I loved, I loved growing up on the farm. I just don't, truly don't think there's a better way to raise 
a kid or yeah. a family or a better lifestyle for a kid growing up. You know, I was all into the quad bikes, wasn't allowed a horse, much to my disappointment. Um, and yeah, like g- driving tractors and all that sort of, sort of stuff was was life. And, mm. and I think no matter how far we get away from it, um, it sort of catches up with us. And yeah. I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later as well. But yeah. So my connection to, yeah, my family are first generation farmers. So, um, and I'm obviously not in the farm now. So we're starting to have those conversations about what will happen with the farm or farms, plural. But um, yeah, so yeah, that's my connection. What about you, Vin? Well, I I just want to ask you, um, do you have one really special story from growing up that you'd like to share off the top of your head? Do you know, (laughs) I was thinking about this a lot because I knew we were going to be recording this episode and oh, there's just so many. I think one that comes, I can think of so many, all I can think of is when I think of special stories is like stupid, excuse my language, shit that I used to do to my sister when (laughs) (laughs) growing up on the farm. Like, for example, I have a distinct memory, like she used to sit on the front of the quad bike riding through the stubble and she just fell off the front of the quad bike. She went right underneath or like another time (laughs) when I was out um, having her hold the timber. I used to, it was my job to chop the firewood uh, at home and um yeah one time got my sister right in the thumb with an axe because I told her it was a great idea <laughs> to hold the uh bit of timber when I was um cutting chips so no don't do that um we're terrible older sisters because <laughs> yeah. I've got two similar stories yeah. I'll share in a minute as well yeah. but I think my most probably one of my most and, and it's not a specific memory I suppose but you know without my dad on the farm you know granddad was just so he was uh, a hero, like truly yeah. larger than life. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he taught me to drive and I I will never forget getting behind the wheel of his Land Cruiser for the very first time and him just being like, okay, off you go. <laughs> me having never driven a car ever, I would have been about 10 maybe, yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. And bunny hopping it through the cultivation and just like, and he's going, just yelling at me all these words I didn't understand because I didn't know what a clutch was or any of those things. Yeah. So, um, yeah, super distinct memory. And he used to take us out like hunting and fishing and, and, and just, you know, on the tractor or, you know, anytime he was going somewhere, we'd jump in with him. And so, yeah, for me, super yeah that's just yeah I think growing up on the farm it's so much of it was filled with memories with with him yeah absolutely I think that there's nothing more special than that and I guess now we can swing into my story a little bit so I was born and raised in Esperance my parents are like yin and yang I would say and I think (laughs) Kayla could definitely agree with that um my dad was always on the farm he was on the farm from 18 I I think my family on my dad's side are fifth generation farmers. I know in South Australia, my great great grandfather is apparently very historical. There's some plaque over there, but anyway, another another whole thing. Um, and then my mum's side of the family, my grandpa was a stock agent for Daggettys in the wheat belt. So a lot of people don't realise this, but my mum and um, my auntie grew up in the wheat belt. So my mum is a very rural kid. People are very shocked when they meet her. They can't <laughs> believe somebody like her is. If you met her, you guys would understand who are listening. Um, but she's utterly amazing. She has travelled the whole mm. world in her 20s. She lived life larger than anyone else and she had a 100 different careers. And then yeah. because 
because her sister was an aspirant. She ended up in aspirants and like most farmers um, meeting their wives, met my dad at the local pub <laughs> and one thing led to another and, you know, a couple of years later after marriage, um, I came up and turned, <laughs> turned up and then two Rocked years their world. <laughs> to the uh, two years to the day, me and my sister are um, two years apart to the day. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, and Soph uh, came along and, yeah, Soph and I um, were on the farm and then unfortunately my parents' marriage didn't work out and I think a lot of the people at the time thought that, you know, it, it was very taboo when it, what it was, you know, 20 years ago now. Mm. It was a very different time getting divorced in the country. Yep. I mean, you would have – this is the first thing I think Kayla and I have both been from broken families yeah. and it gives you definitely a sense of resilience and understanding mm. and – you just seem to start to see the life in a different perspective. Mm. Um, but it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. And I think people think, oh, poor you. I mean, you've got some hardship, but yeah. there's so much goodness as well. Yeah. And you learn a lot about people mm-hmm. and you learn a lot about emotions and you start mm. to really engage with that. And I think that that's yeah. really good, that self-awareness. Yeah. And I always, like I always, I mean, uh, you've both got both your parents in your life. I only have my mum in my life now. Um, and... Do you know, like, I always say as hard as it, it was and believe me, like, <laughs> there's, like, terrible times definitely. Mm. But um, I my life's no worse off for it. And I'm sure someone with both parents in a loving marriage would disagree with me, but my mum is parent plus, you know, multiples. Mm. Of, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we never missed out on anything mm-hmm. ever. And so, yeah, mum, I know you'll listen to this. So massive shout out to you. I love you and I'm so grateful for you. Yeah. Oh, I'm not gonna we cry. love our parents. We love <laughs> yeah. you guys. Our mothers are our number one Instagram yeah. um, fans. fans, so yeah. we appreciate Their you. Stands. And I guess that's a, another similarity as well with Kayla. You had your mum on the farm, which was yeah. a bit unusual. As I made the decision, or my parents allowed me to make the decision to stay on the farm with my dad. Yeah. So I was in sole custody of my dad, mm-hmm. and back then to have a father raise a daughter on their own on the farm yeah. I did see my mum on the weekend she was still around she was still an extremely pre- present parent but I made that choice at the time and my dad would make my lunches he'd make my dinners mm-hmm. he'd p- pick me up from the school bus he did rem- forget one time but we, <laughs> uh, you lucky. remember that one time <laughs> yeah. don't remember that's your special memory now <laughs> <laughs> Soon after, he bought me my own little um, 70 motorbike because he was like, oh, God, <laughs> she's, she's, she's um, going to kill me. Um, but I saw a man looking after me. So I think both of us, we have a different understanding of, of gender roles yep. because we both grew up with these parents yep. who did everything. Yeah. So for us, it's very unusual as women. We don't feel like we're pigeonholed at all. And I yeah. think that that's a really I, – I think that's another commonality with both of us. Yeah, for sure. That we got this unique perspective on life because mm. we didn't I, – I don't know what it's like or remember what it's like to see two parents in a mm-hmm. home and you are exactly the same. Yeah. And then once you see that, you realise that you don't need to have somebody to do things. No. You can be completely self-sufficient. Yeah. And it's really funny because I spent a lot of time at home last year and we'd have people drop in because of COVID. Um, And I would be in my office working at the farm and my dad, he would often make lunch for me or make me dinner. (laughs) And people were coming over 
astounded and yeah. I was like well this is how it was when I was at <laughs> yeah. home like and and it was it was a special moments like that and don't mm. get me wrong I think you know no one's perfect and you know there's definitely th- we all make mistakes I've made them dad's made them mum's made them and mm. I'm sure yours the same um but it it was really commendable some of the things that he did during those times yeah. and I think that definitely shaped me because unlike you I didn't have the uh, the greatest time at primary school yeah. I, I did go to a small primary school that mm. year I think mine was 52 yeah um it's hard those yeah. sort of small schools are really hard because yeah. uh you even if you are from the same place and you're all similar and a lot of those people I'm friends with now and I call Mm. them my best friends it was really tough and yeah I definitely I'm sure a lot of people listening have experienced bullying I severely uh, experienced that severely in primary school Mm. um, and didn't really enjoy it I think there was one day where I'd had enough um, in year six. I sat on the oval because the teacher was not doing anything about it. And I was like, he's not going to hear me. So the only way that I can do something about it, here's 11-year-old Lavinia going, <laughs> F you all. I can imagine. <laughs> like, I, looking yeah. back, I can't believe I did that. Yeah. Like I cannot believe it. But I'm so grateful I did because I think that that was a real um, – stepping stone to me starting to find my voice Mm -hmm. but also as an 11 year old to do that I was pretty um, mature and uh, self-aware about what was wrong as an adult but unfortunately at 11 years old you don't get heard by adults unless you do something outrageous so Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that is definitely I think that's a beginning of being a go-getter yeah you just start to do things to yourself but yeah I found primary school and growing up it was great and one beautiful memory. I mean, you mentioned horses. The horse was the thing for me. I, <laughs> yeah. All I wanted at primary school, like every birthday, you know how you had to make mm-hmm. a wish? That was my wish. Mm-hmm. Every Christmas, all I wanted. And um, one really beautiful thing was one Christmas coming up the laneway with his just dad just pulling this beautiful old horse. Oh. And oh, it was it was a melting <laughs> moment. You know, there's been some really tough times. And yeah, it, that was one thing he did right that, that year. Yeah. I'll give him a tick for that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's hard. I think growing up in this sort of broken family in the rural regions yeah. is freaking hard. Yeah. And I think as a child of divorce, especially if your parents' parents are together, I think a lot of the time, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that can relate, I don't quite think they realize the impact of what they, what actions happen that they may not think that we are like a picking up on or observe, mm. but a lot of that we hold with us. Mm. So yeah, it's really hard. It's yeah. tough. And small towns, everyone talks. Yeah, I know, yeah certainly. I, I Yeah, small towns. Uh, but, you know, on the flip side of that, I think there's a beauty to being in a small town as well because I, I know certainly my mum would say this about her close group of friends who just, you know, w- we, we had extended family because of her friends who, you know, whenever we went through anything, were always there. So, yeah, um, yeah I think, yeah, small town is difficult for sure, but also there's a beauty and, you know, um, I've got, you know, five or so best friends who are still, you know, I went to kindy with them and it would be the same for you. Mm. They're at my wedding, I'll be at their weddings and mm. um I think there's a there's a, a kinship I guess to growing up in the mm. same tiny little place because you have to you have to learn to what to do with your time together because there's not all the fun stuff and all the at the time certainly wasn't that much technology and um That's such an interesting point. Oh my yeah. gosh, there was no technology or I <laughs> 
I didn't even have like any of that. I think I had an iPod Nano. That was it. I, I skipped the iPod. My first bit of tech was um, a Game Boy and I will never forget the day I opened my Game Boy at Christmas. It was like... <laughs> holy moly it was like you with your horse i reckon it was me <laughs> Chris game boy yeah and my sister and i had to share games but it was like whoa but it's crazy how you know i would have been like 12 or 13 when that happened like yeah yeah, yeah. i'm pretty sure i was yeah that the same whatever year that was I would have got my iPod and that was like yeah. that was the biggest piece and it was this tiny little <laughs> thing yeah oh gosh times have changed so much I, I think we grew up really in a perfect time Oh, 100%. I'm so happy. And then fast forward, tell me about life after primary school and what happened. Where'd you go? Yeah, so I went off to boarding school like so many and like you. Um, I actually went a little bit later. So I went right through to grade 10 um, at my local school, which I loved. That was the best. Um, I got to be school captain and sports captain and all those sorts of things. And um yeah, had the we, we had such an opposite high school. <laughs> Maybe we wouldn't have been friends in school. <laughs> I, I actually don't think we would. Have. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and yeah, so I, you, where I'm from, you kind of get the choice of like you get on the bus for 45 minutes to go into the local high school, which is quite a big school. Um, it's a, yeah, you catch the bus 45 minutes each way every day with all the other kids. Or um, my choice or my family's choice was to go to boarding school. And to be honest, I don't think they could have prevented me from going to boarding school. I was going to boarding school. <laughs> you couldn't it's have ingrained. <laughs> yeah. If you're going, you're going. I was going. But I was so excited about it as well. And I actually, I went to the same boarding school that my both my aunts went to. So my mum's sisters, my mum has always been jealous that she didn't get to go to boarding school because she saw how much her sisters loved it and how much I did. Um, and yeah, so I went to the Glenny School in Toowoomba and I, I know we've had guests in the past. Emma Moss, she went to Glenny as well, Glenny old girl. And um, yeah, I went for 11 and 12. And I will say um, going to boarding school in year 11 was tough. Like, I couldn't have done it. As much as I was excited to be there and I lo- like I was so excited over the moon, um, starting in year 11 was as a girl <laughs> oh. at an all-girls school. Yeah. Uh, yeah difficult to say the least it was beautiful school don't get me wrong but um when so many girls as you would know would have been there since year seven Mm -hmm. or at least year 10 Mm -hmm. um they've already built connections and clicks and all those sorts of things so coming into year 11 um was challenging and you know there's all sorts of levels of wealth and and societal statuses that Mm -hmm. are at um schools like that and um, I came from pretty meager household. Like I said, my family were pretty much first generation farmers. So we didn't have like, you know, some girls flew chartered planes into school because their parents, ha- you know, all these sorts of crazy things. And that was, that was not, that was not my family. And so, um, yeah, I think I struggled in a sense, um, really finding my click in my first year, um so that was yeah really challenging and but and at the same time I probably wouldn't change a lot about it to be honest because I loved my Peter 10 school so much as well but mm. um on the flip side loved it got into netball squash everything that I could get into um drama PE like all those sorts of things and um yeah so uh, yeah I really really loved that so much yeah and I loved being a boarder. Um, I loved being able to go out on the weekends and get involved in as much sport as I could fill my weekends with and then sort of go home once a term-ish. Because mm. boarding school was only an hour and 45 minutes from home. So mum could come down on the weekends. Um, but she sort of, I think, 
with some adult lenses now looking back she probably opted not to not just because of the time to travel but also just to sort of give us the space to explore what life was like as a boarder and uh, all those sorts of things so no I had the most wonderful experience at boarding school and then after that uh so I did really well at school and you understatement know. guys <laughs> um and I guess when you do well at school and I mean this, we'll get into this I'm sure when we talk about what we do in our day jobs but um when you do good at school you get kind of talked out of not talked out but it was just ag was never on the radar for me like absolutely ever you know, I didn't agree. Just- I would go, just a segment. Absolutely agree. Yeah. At high school, no idea. And yeah. we get, yeah, we'll get into this a bit more. Yeah. And so um, I went through school considering options like veterinary medicine, law, um, medicine. All I those don't sorts doubt of- that you would have been a great doctor. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, but I, so yeah, I was looking at all those things and I can't say I truly knew what I wanted to do. I, I, th- I thought I did, but I kind of looking back, maybe I didn't. I don't know. Do we still know what we want to do? No, no. I know less now, but I, I, at least <laughs> I, I've got the maturity now to say I definitely don't. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm just figuring it out. But um, I think back then... Yeah, there's so much pressure to make a decision. And again, we'll talk more about this later. But um, I applied to do biomed at um, Bond University on the Gold Coast um, as a pathway. Pretty um, up there, Bond. Yeah, well, so I was so going to um, Glennie where I went, they had a partnership agreement at the time. They probably still do, um, whereby they would allocate a certain number of scholarships to each of their like sister or partner uni- partner schools. Sorry. Yeah. And so Glennie was one of those schools and you had to go through like an interview process. There was exams and all this kind of stuff to get one of like the two or three scholarships that they could give to that school each year. Mm -hmm. And so I got one and um, yeah, if you don't know, like Bond is a private university. It's trimesters, not semesters. But it's like... It's the university. It's pretty up Yeah, there. I mean, it depends what you want to study. But at the time, it was like, oh, my gosh, this is so amazing. No, nah, it's still a big deal. <laughs> and so I yeah got in there and I got an offer to do biomed as a pathway into medicine. And um, I had this major crisis of confidence, <laughs> probably not knowing what I wanted to do. It was, it was my heart telling me, like, whilst I had – this option to go and do biomed was just like, oh, I don't know that that's really what you want to do. Mm-hmm. So little old me who grew up in a dust bowl applied to do the Navy gap year program with the Royal Australian Navy and I got in. <laughs> How did you even come across this at a girl or girl school? Um, so the recruiters used to come. Right. Yeah. I so, was, I've always wondered this about you. I'm like, yeah. how the blood, because no <laughs> recruiters came to PLC. <laughs> yeah. So they have had the recruiters. We used to have like a version of pastoral care class. Like every year group would have a, one class a week where you would all come together for, you know, and they'd do, sometimes it was a message about mental health. Sometimes it was about whatever it might be. And yeah. so sometimes in year 12, they would use that class to have guest speakers come in and talk about career pathways. And I still remember the guy, I don't remember his name, but I remember his face like talking about the military. And I was like, you know, at the time, guys, remember we were watching Sea Patrol on TV and I was just I like, wasn't. <laughs> well, I was. <laughs> and I, I remember just like, this is it. Like, whoa. <laughs> um, and so – um, I, yeah, he, he left and I'm pretty sure I would have applied for the gap year the very next day. Mm. Uh, it's pr- that was a pretty competitive program to get into as well. Um, and so you had to fill out 
like an application and then if you get shortlisted you go down and you do this exam which is like an aptitude test which is pretty similar to how you get into the actual like full service military um and then uh so I passed that and then they invite you back for an interview and holy moly that was the scariest interview of my life 17 years of age here I am sitting in a room with this um, woman who's in full ceremonial uniform which is all they just do it you would have wowed them they or they they do it to scare you and so I walked in there absolutely shitting my pants and I still remember I can't remember all of the interview but one question I do remember and she goes if you're on a ship that was bombed and or let's say you know had an uh was hit by something and then it started to go down and you're floating in the water what do you do and I was like how I was like did I miss something in a training manual somewhere like how do I answer and you I was sh- I still I, sh- I shake thinking about it um what did and, you say and I said well like I would assume I said I assume I would have like a, some sort of bearings on where I am and then I would maybe start sort of swimming in the direction of land which is the complete wrong answer because you're actually supposed to stay where the ship went down because it's the last place that they lost comms and therefore that would be the first place that rescuers would check yeah but uh, you didn't have any training how would you no, know that no and so yeah I, w- I thought that I lost it I, th- I was like that's it I'm not getting on the program I thought it was all over um and then I go back to school <laughs> you know continue on with my year 12 journey and then a couple of weeks later I get a map because at the time it wasn't really emails it wasn't a thing really and this massive package showed oh, it up. was new, a postal letter yeah, yeah massive postal total letter normal with the whole package with the pamphlets and the this and the that rocked up <laughs> and so of course wrong my family told them and my granddad so excited like so oh, excited wow yeah because granddad um I'm gonna get this wrong but I'm pretty sure he applied to or tried to go to Vietnam but at the time when they enlisted they only selected certain birth dates to go right and so he didn't get to go so I think some small part of him was like living vicariously (laughs) through me (laughs) and so he shot up from where they live in the Brisbane Valley up to where I was at boarding school and he took me out to dinner that night just to like celebrate that I'd gotten in that is I love that (laughs) so sweet this is such a tangent but it's so such a strong memory of mine and um, yeah he took me out for dinner and we went to dinner at this place um, in uh, Toowoomba and we were sitting there at dinner as a granddaughter and a grandfather do just chatting <laughs> and granddad told this story at my wedding but he he was trying to he, granddad likes to do nice things they like to give you money and so he was like sliding a $50 note across the table to me like so proud of you like just take this place and I'm like no granddad I can't take it and he recalls the lady from this restaurant just looking at him like, why is this man trying to pay this young girl uh, money? Yep. <laughs> and so, nice. yeah, so I, <laughs> it's just one of those sweet things and it just made the whole thing so much more special. So, yeah, after, I, after school, I, I joined the Navy and then we'll probably get into career journey in a little bit. But yeah, so that's that's school for me. <laughs> yeah. OK, so for me. Um, I went to a school that my mum went to, my gran went to, my whole mum's side of the family went to, even some people on my dad's side actually went there um, as well. Um, so I was destined for that school my entire life. I think I was booked in from the day I was born. My grand takes <laughs> it very seriously. Yeah. So like if you're my future husband listening, um, <laughs> Too bad. It's start decided. saving for school fees today. <laughs> I hope my future husband's listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, I knew I was going there from an early age and always knew I was going to boarding school. But I think once I'd got there, because keep in mind, I'd been on the farm with my dad, I'd been extremely independent from a very early age. It was a culture shock because I hadn't been used to rules because not that yeah. I'd, I'd never needed them. I'd never needed disciplining. I'd yeah. used, to, you know, I'd go to bed when I needed to go to bed. I'd yeah. do things. I'd cook myself. I'd do my, like I didn't need somebody to tell me what to do. Yeah. I'd been figuring it out for a long time. And then suddenly to have someone who was restricting every part of my life, <laughs> I was, and the fact that I was 12 years old going away and most of the other girls would see their parents every weekend. I'd see my, um, dad mm. and mum every five weeks. Yeah. And that was really hard. Um, thankfully, I had my gran in Perth and she would come and bring me out every weekend. And then my cousin, who'd also been through boarding school but left, um, she used to come and take me out during the week when mm. I wasn't allowed to because I was having such a hard time. So she would – I have fond memories of it would being like late night shopping and she'd come and take me out of the boarding house. I wasn't allowed to go out but my dad would say, she's leaving. Like, oh, they used to get so angry because <laughs> they don't like people who don't conform mm. and my parents would have like, she can do whatever she likes. And I found that really tough and you mentioned it as well. Mm. You'd have different people from different types of socioeconomic mm. – families so for me I I don't um not acknowledge it but like you know my dad has done really well um he only started to do very well as we were going away to school like he's he made no money for 30 years um but I I never went without at school so you know if I needed money I'd get and then some of the girls were on budget so it's like everyone's doing something different and when you're a 13 year old girl things like that matter yeah and and that causes conflict and difference of opinion and Mm -hmm. obviously I'm sure most people who listen know by now um I have an opinion and (laughs) if I have an opinion I will share it and that was really tough because some people really didn't like that Mm -hmm. and not to mention um unlike Kayla I wasn't a scholar I really struggled (laughs) at school um like really struggled and uh yeah I was a pass student a pass was a pass for me that was I ended up doing all right in the end and look at me I've got my own business now so who cares what you get at school um but yeah that was really tough so everything combined was really hard and then fortunately in year nine my mum got an opportunity to move to Perth so I really only had to do about 18 months of boarding school Mm -hmm. um and then I was out and then that's when life got better (laughs) I could leave school and as soon as it hit three o'clock I'd walk away and I was off to do what I wanted to do like you know like I didn't have to do what somebody told me to do I was on my own path yeah I was never going to be told what to do (laughs) um thankfully neither of my parents have ever really told me what to do I haven't ever been guided by them in terms of what choices I want to make they've allowed me to make a lot of my own choices or all of them basically um from a young age both my sister and I have always been like what do we want to do you know I'm sure you'll tell me it's something about your star sign too right oh (laughs) (laughs) um guys fun fact myself my sister and my dad are all Pisces (laughs) yeah um and we can be in a room and very much my sister but even my sister my dad and I are in the same space and we don't have to speak and we all know what each other is (laughs) but maybe that's family as well but like I'm all about the star signs I I don't want to tell people that because a lot of people are turned off by that so I'm I'm not going to mention that anymore um um, and then fast through fast forward 
followed through high school. High school was good. I made um, a couple of really beautiful friends who I'm still friends with. And I've actually reconnected with a couple of people I went to school with recently, which has been really nice. But those really special friendships and the, there's really one special one um, and she knows who she is um, from school and she's really helped me along the way. But like school's tough. Mm. I don't understand those people who say school's the best time of my life. <laughs> it was not my best time. Like I thrived after school. I think yeah. I'm in my best time. Like yeah. it's coming. Mm-hmm. If you peak in high school. <gasps> don't say that. <laughs> You definitely Stop didn't peak in high school. I, I'd be, you didn't. You thought you did, but you really <laughs> didn't. Kayla, we were only just beginning. No, I'm, if you did peak in high school, guys, it's only downhill. Like I was having this conversation with my dad. He's like, you want to peak in your 40s and 50s because then like you start to get old and you want to chill out. But like that's good prime okay. time. So we've got time. Okay. Um. So, yeah, that was about it for me. Um. Yeah. Uh, I always knew I was going to do – it was, for me, PR or law. Yeah. And I watched Roxy Jasenko on The Apprentice <laughs> yeah. and saw her and I was like, she's a boss bitch. She doesn't give an F about what anyone else <laughs> – she will say it how it is and look at her. Because I had always, I've always been around um, people who say, you know, you have to be careful what you say. You can't say what you think. You know, conservative. My yeah. family's all very conservative. Mm-hmm. I have an opinion and we sometimes – share that around the dinner table but it's always been like keep that to yourself mm-hmm. but seeing her I really realized that you actually as a woman can have an opinion mm-hmm. and it's not going to ruin you as a person mm-hmm. sometimes you have to read the room but it doesn't really matter whether you share your opinion or not and yeah. that's a good thing that podcasting and social has allowed us to do we yeah. can share our opinion now and it's okay to have a difference of opinion yeah and you don't have to be so conservative anymore with how you approach things also you know it, it's just it's just what you think so yeah. people need to probably not get as offended yeah, take it or leave it right yeah yeah so that's pretty much me for school um don't miss it appreciated it and there are so many opportunities that I had with school that allowed me to start forming and shaping who I am today so I'm so appreciative of it Mm. and um, my future children will be going to a a decent school because I think (laughs) it really does like I wouldn't be on track to where I'm going without it 100% and like yeah, I only got to go to boarding school for 11 and 12, but that does not – like, I still had the best education growing up. Like, I swear, Mrs. Flynn, she'll never listen to this, but uh, shout you out to her know. because she was my English teacher all through school. And um, she was old school, like old school. Like, we didn't do anything – on not that any of us really did at that time, but nothing – it was all, like, old school, you know, pieces of paper with, like, we would, you know, wrote, learn some, like, Grammar I think and I spelling and all that. this stuff. Yeah. I missed out on a lot of that. I, it's I don't an essential wanna, life skill. There's a lot that I still it. don't understand about the English language, but I'm going <laughs> to – that's why I'm a podcaster and not a journalist. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. right. Uh. So, Kayla, fast forward to Navy. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, that was an amazing experience. Yeah, it was. What happened after that? Yeah, it changed my life. So, um, like – 360. I know. Abs- like, almost 100 per- – yeah – 360 degrees for sure um so yeah joined the navy and like any massive thing that happens in your life like I was 18 years of age fresh out of school I had no expenses joined the military. Like, God, I miss those times <laughs> living my best life <laughs> and you know me small town kid allowed in Melbourne with like all this money well the most money I'd ever had in my bank account ever and just yeah 
<laughs> YOLO. Like Life is good. Can yeah. we just go, but that was when you were living your best life. <laughs> it was. No, and I would hands down say it was the best year of my life for a number of reasons, Um, you know, so far. Uh, but yeah, loved it. And so I, I wasn't in the Navy long when I had sort of this – some clarity around my life and I just knew what I just I guess maybe not knew but I tuned into what my heart had been telling me all along which was like I didn't I didn't have it in me to be a doctor like I wasn't passionate enough about fixing people's ailments or like you know that that fair enough that helping people thing has never been my intrinsic motivator say what it will about me but um I think it was you know I did well at school so I kind of wanted to make the most of that and Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I remember calling mum. I'm like, mum, <laughs> this is after I deferred my degree. Um, I'm, I'm cancelling on bond. I'm not going to go. And I'm sure she had a heart attack. And so, yeah, I, I sort of I figured out that I'm just a bloody passionate person. and You are a passionate person. <laughs> yeah, and so I'm like Googling careers, like – how where to be a passionate person wait you googled how to be a passionate oh yeah i would have googled all those things like what are the careers that make the most out of passionate people wow and um nothing nothing really came of that but then i went to sea one time and um i had a a lieutenant on board and she was a public relations officer oh cool yeah and so that was my first i'd never heard of public relations before I didn't know what it was and I remember talking to her about her work because public relations officers in the military are reservists so yeah. they're only in part-time and so their other part-time job is a real world civilian job mm-hmm. and so I remember asking her all about her job and I thought it was so cool and so amazing and so I go back to my little dorm room and I'm like googling away about public relations um and I was like I read it and I was like, that's me. Like, mm-hmm. that is it. That's mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at the time, um, my now husband, he was my boyfriend of like six months at the time. He was in the Navy as well. Um, and he, when he was graduating from his training, um, he had to choose a posting and um, I had to sort of figure out my life. And I always knew I wanted to go to uni, but finally I'd kind of found a bit of a path myself in terms of what I wanted to do so um, I got onto the internet and we sort of decided on going to Perth which was cool and so I did a lot of research about where I wanted to go and not specifically the university I wanted to go to but who I wanted to study under so I, I looked at academics and I looked at their credentials and I looked at how impressive is Kayla <laughs> how impressive stop. is Kayla I did not know, do any of that <laughs> and yeah and so coming from Queensland I had no idea about what was a good uni what was not what was not a good uni or the most prestigious or any of that jargon I just wanted to go where I read about these amazing people and so yeah I went to Murdoch and I, I studied well I, I applied to do public relations and I got into doing that but one night I went to um, a careers not or like a welcome night or a you know intro night at at Murdoch and the guest speaker they had he had studied public relations but he'd also double majored in human resource management and I remember thinking that sounds like such a good idea because, you know, if I ever want to own my own business one day, here we are, um, if I ever want to be <laughs> responsible for other people in a business, if I ever want to be CEO, if I ever want to, you know, have any sort of business acumen, I, I was like, this human resources sounds amazing. So, of course, I go and amend my application to the university and, and, and I make it a double major in public relations and human resource management. And so that's what I studied. Um, 
yeah, three years at Murdoch and I loved every minute of it and I got so much out of it. I was in, yeah, let's join all the committees and because I was coming, I wasn't quite mature age when I got there. I took two years to, well, my gap year was only, my military time was only a year, but I did it across two years. Like it covered two calendar years, I suppose. So by the time I actually got to go to university, I'd been out of school two years, mm. which doesn't quite meet the cutoff for mature age, but mm. I was still older than most of the people I went through uni with. Mm. And so... I had to do a lot to make friendships and meet people and all that sort of stuff. So, and because I didn't come from WA either, I'd been in the state eight months when I started uni. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I got involved in everything that I could. And um, yeah, it was the best experience because yeah, I come out of it with great network of people. I got my first job because of that network of people. And um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I really credit a lot of where I'm at now with my time at, at Murdoch. Yeah. That's amazing. Do you want to start about careers and grain or do you want me to do my uni and then we... Go through uni and then we'll do, do career stuff. So I went to... I actually um, really wanted to have a year off, mm-hmm. but my dad was like, you're not having a year off. <laughs> I think he thought if I had a year off, I'd never go, go back. back. He's like, you'll be like your mom and just travel the world and you will never see you again. pause that for a sec because I, I, I want to have a conversation about that because it's, it's something that comes up a lot like in my job now. Leave. Go away, travel the world. That's yeah. that's what I wish yeah. I had said. I mean, someone had said to me. Yeah, same. Yeah, because I just think, you know, I'm a I, benefit of hindsight. I t- I, those two years changed my life, truly. Mm. Yeah, um, oh, 100%. And you don't know who you are at 18. No, or what you want to do. You don't know who you are at 25. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, and I just, I, I, I mean, I understand parents wanting their kids to end up somewhere amazing and certainly neither of us are parents what the hell do we know but I deal with a lot of kids in in my job and and I just think if your concern is that they'll never go back if they take a year off they probably weren't meant to go in the first place Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. if if you truly are that worried like you know is university for them yeah because it's it's hard it's three years it's a lot of money and Jesus Christ it's some decent debt as you go into your early career yep a lot of debt especially if you do three degrees half-heartedly yeah yeah and so yeah I just think it's a conversation I have a lot with parents and I think uh, I think yeah I guess as we all hopefully listening to this as we all become parents maybe it's something we can think about as yeah we move yeah I mean we can talk about this bit in the but like looking back at my baby self at 21 and 22 in hindsight's a beautiful thing Mm. because obviously I'd graduated um and gone straight to a um agency it was literally within eight months of me graduating from university that I started working for myself mm-hmm. and I wish ne- no I don't wish because if I everything <laughs> happens for, for a reason, reason yeah. and I would not be sitting here right where I am now if I hadn't have done the pathway yeah but you have forever to be an adult you have forever to earn money mm. you have forever to be like seriously, like now I have a business, mm. I have to pay bills, mm. I I have clients that I work back yeah. and forward and we'll talk about this a little bit more in detail later. Um, but you have such little time to be a young adult between mm. 18 to 23. Yeah, I agree. And you can go and and do uni at a later date. It, it doesn't actually, it's not going to put you behind. Mm. 
because you'll be further ahead later on in life. You just watch how the universe works with everyone. Yeah. And it, it's, yeah, I agree. I think travel is so important and obviously COVID times, you know, we're talking pre-COVID, but um, just being able to have life experience, have those casual, interesting yep. jobs. I think that's why I really, I did CBH as a sampler for a couple of years and that really um, was great while I was at university. Mm-hmm. So I fast forward, I went to, I actually started at Edith Cowan University and I did um, a commerce degree with a double major in fashion I got there did six months and realized the fashion at ECU was not the type of fashion I wanted to do um, and started I moved over to Curtin and realized it was a way better equipped degree um, it was a great choice I really focused on PR within that mm. and after my first year majoring I was actually majoring in fashion I wasn't majoring in um PR so going back to high school I actually did really well at textiles I think I finished second in the state of um, textiles that year so yeah um, fashion is still a real big passion of mine Mm. it's just um, at the time it's it's a blood it's, there's no industry in Perth basically no. and it's dying even more now um, but it's exciting because we get to work with our best sellers and things like that now so it all comes full circle yeah. Um, yeah so I did an amazing PR degree really understood there and while I was there worked casually the full whole time overloaded myself as I'm sure Kayla did as well um, mm. and did internships the whole time. And I was lucky enough to do a really amazing internship at Perth Racing where I met um, Robin Fitzgerald, who's an amazing PR and marketing um, person in Perth. And she was working there at the time. And then after I finished my degree, I did quite well at university. I think with uni, once you get the formula, you mm. do well. Yeah. And that's really key. And then for me, I, you know, did a few other internships. And then one day I was at an internship and Robin had hunted me down through LinkedIn, called me up through the internship and goes, I am working for the Royal Ag Society at the moment. I need a um, three-month contractor to come and do the social media because I'd done social media for her at Perth Racing. Mm -hmm. And so... She was, she'd headhunted me for my first job. Yeah. And at the time, I didn't really realize that it was a really big deal, but it was a big deal. Yeah. No one gets headhunted for their first job. Yeah. And she'd advertised the job as well. <laughs> yeah. And she'd gone out and looked at all of the resumes and gone, not, not, not it. And I know some people who applied and I just head in the clouds at the time, I guess. Anyway, I started doing contracting in the Royal Ag Society. And that, between that, and working for CBH during the summers mm. and this comms degree, I realized that there was a huge gap in the market mm. for social media and PR for agricultural businesses yep. and just that we were not telling our story. Yep. And that for me was the foundation. But at 21, 22, I, had, I was like, I'm not, I don't know enough to go and do my own thing. <laughs> yeah. So I went and worked for an agency. Unfortunately, that agency was not well equipped. That it was actually a very average experience but it gave me a lot of skills and knowledge for what not to do yeah which a lot of experience does give you and then from there I my mother was moving to Sydney at the time and Perth now has a lot more digital marketing and PR Mm. opportunities way more than it did three or four years ago but at the time there was literally no jobs Mm. there was not one job and my dad just goes why don't you just do your own thing and naive 22-year-old 20, me <laughs> was like, oh, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And so I just launched Lavinia Wear Social and off I went. And I, I am now here three and a half years later. And working for yourself is the toughest thing you ever do. Mm. 
it is hard. I, there has been tears. Um, there has been breaking down moments. There has been really hard lessons to learn and I am not perfect and mm. I have made so many mistakes in my life. We all have. Yeah. But um, looking back and I've, you know, it's the 30th of July when we're recording this and every I'm doing, doing my bookkeeping on the 30th um, <laughs> and looking where my business is now. Yeah. It's a bit of a pinch me moment. And mm-hmm. that's just my business without us talking about Generation Ag. Yeah. But I think something that people don't um, talk about is how hard it is. Or mm. like, have you seen, you know, those entrepreneurial graphs that are on Instagram and it's like the straight line of what people think success is yeah. versus the squiggly line. You have so many ups and downs and you'll make so many mistakes, but it's the most rewarding thing ever to work for myself. And mm-hmm. I couldn't be more grateful Um yeah. And yeah, agriculture is amazing and ag is the space that I'm interested in more than anything and now mm. it's just working out um, where to from here and yeah. how to cultivate all of the things that I love to mm-hmm. grow and yeah, being able to work with amazing businesses and I've gotten really clear on the types of agricultural companies I yeah. work with now yeah. because of what we've been doing and my values and how, mm-hmm. you know, you you the more experience you have, the more you learn to look for red flags and the more you learn to see like green flags and know the types of clients that are worth working with yeah um because you know there's there are in every industry there's good clients or good businesses and bad businesses so Mm. yeah it's a learning curve but excitingly now I have a lot of east coast businesses a massive national most of my clients or yeah 80 percent of my clients are national um 60 percent are based over east Mm -hmm. um so for me you know, there's some big, big things coming. Making moves, girl. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I just can't believe I just sang on the podcast. Um, <laughs> no, and hats off to you, I think, because certainly, I mean, we all like to think we could run a business, but I think, you know, doing it for three and a half years, and I'm sure there's times you would have wanted to throw in the towel. Oh, there are always times where you want to throw in the towel working for yourself, yeah. but I'm so passionate about helping ag businesses. Yeah and helping people in agriculture that you keep going. And also having um, my dad is obviously a farmer. My uncle is a farmer. My cousins are all farmers. My Mm. whole family is, quotations, successful. Mm -hmm. My uh, grandpa on the other side also had a – there's no room for failure. (laughs) I cannot fail. There is no (laughs) – I will not fail. Because there is no room to. Yeah. And that is the biggest driver you need on those days. And <laughs> yeah. don't get me wrong. God, I think the last three years, my mental health has gone down to the worst. <laughs> yeah. um, my health has been the worst. But finally this year, and I think that's every business owner you talk to, once you start to prioritize and once you actually earn money in your business and spend money on your health and getting yeah. better, <laughs> it all starts to come to fruition. And I hope yeah. we listen in a couple of years time and, you know, we're in the sky's the limit vibes, but yeah. um, it's always good to reflect and just believe in yourself. If you have something that you really want to do, just go and do it. And that's really important. But yeah, I'm so privileged that I've got so many people who back us in the podcast, mm-hmm. but also in what I do as well yeah. um, for us to be doing what we're doing and to, you know, get around and do amazing things. Amen. Part two of our 100th episode special will be coming in just a few days. Sit tight. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Generation Ag. We hope you loved it. 
If you did, don't forget to visit our guest bios page on our website where you can get all of their contact information. And if you have an idea for another guest in the future or a story that you want to hear, you can get in touch with us via our email, which is hello at generationag.com.au. Don't forget to follow us on our socials at generation.ag. That's Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And if you've loved this episode as well, you can share it with your friends on your socials and make sure to subscribe to us on the podcast app and leave us a review because that all really helps as well. Thanks, guys. Bye.